Hi, my name is Adam, and I've never seen Labyrinth. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fine, I'll Watch It. I'm Johnny. And I'm Bridget. And as you heard from the top, Adam has not seen the 1986 child fantasy, dark fantasy musical uh, movie called The Labyrinth. Ooh, um, musical. I, I, didn't, I didn't know musical. Yeah, I actually didn't really know that either coming in tonight. I mean, I have seen it, um, but yeah, that's <laughs> one element of it that I forgot of. Um, so that'll be an interesting uh, change of pace for us. Yeah, all the other um, genres I was aware of. I figured, you know, childlike wonderment, dark fantasy. I, I got all that. Uh, musical, that one that one surprised me. That one took me off guard. <laughs> There's a couple of numbers in this one. Um, <laughs> so uh, this is a Jim Henson production, if I believe so, if I'm correct. Um, correct. And Adam is a self-proclaimed Henson head. Is that a terminology? I, I don't think I've ever heard that um it has a good ring to it right it does i mean it's it's got the alliteration there for sure i uh i just don't think i've ever heard it before i don't know that there's a a special designation for the larger i mean i wouldn't even necessarily do it the whole jim henson-ness of it i'm more muppets specifically uh i've dabbled in in the fraggle rocks uh you know i've I've gone down into the you know the fraggle areas but i uh (laughs) Um, I've I've been more Muppets than like the larger Jim Henson, you know, creature shop of verse, though they have done wonderful output uh, in things that are non Muppet related. Um, but not everything uh, was something where I'm like, oh, Jim Henson did it. I got it. I got to do it. Right. Right. I mean, so, he definitely had a hand in the beginning of Sesame Street, too. No. Yeah. And I mean, okay, yeah, yeah. watched Sesame Street. Right. Right. OK. And, and, you know, Sesame Street was the like Kermit came from. Sesame Street uh, yeah. and things like that. And like, I love the man himself. Like I remember as a kid doing like biographies of Jim Henson in class and oh, okay. uh, vividly remember doing one where it's like, all right, you got to put on a presentation while you give your, you know, your book report or whatever on the biography you read. And I remember bringing in like a Kermit stuffed animal that I put little like wires on the wrist and like did my presentation from under the desk <laughs> where like Kermit gave the presentation uh, oh, in yes. my little kid voice. Uh, so that was, I remember that was something that I did as a child. But again, that l- leaned more into the Muppet side of things sure. than the, the larger Jim Henson averse that many uh, Henson heads, I guess we'll, we'll keep using it. Um, like it yeah. Yeah. Um, where more Henson heads would be like the whole catalog of things. Yeah, because yeah, it's not like a sort of like, I don't think there's any sort of like cameos or anything of the street gang or any of the Muppets <laughs> or any of that in this one. No, I mean, these uh, are like, I again, having not seen the movie, I have to assume this is completely separate from anything related to any of the stuff that I've seen. And it's not even related to even any of the other darker fantasy stuff like Dark Crystal. Yeah. Um, like there's no larger jim henson connected cinematic universe or anything yeah unless you count like sesame street and the muppets no yeah because i think he definitely had more of like a like an amblin thing going on where a lot of his sort of like creative touches and um and he was very much i guess touted as an inventor as well um as far as the technology behind all the puppet puppetry um so you find a lot of that in movies where i think even like gremlins and other things were like some of that stuff kind of lived 
the live action Ninja Turtles movies, the turtles are done by the Henshin Henson right, right. Creature Shop. And um, I would, was just watching Little Shop of Horrors the other day. And I think that puppet is also uh, Jim Henson Creature Shop. Yeah, a lot of stuff in Star Wars, so. obviously. Yeah, Yoda, you know. like, But yeah, so like all of that kind of like I'm very much a fan of, you know, the the work of Jim Henson in the creature shop and all those things. But this movie in particular and Dark Crystal 2, which I only just saw like six months ago, maybe like whenever the whenever that Netflix show like sequel came out to it that I was like, all right, I'll give this a shot. And to be honest, it was not that great. I didn't see the real appeal of it. It was just kind of meandering and I didn't really buy into the uh, like the fantasy realm they were creating. It's not really my genre per se. Um, so I'm a little trepidatious going into this. I don't think this will, even if I don't like it or it's just, you know, middling, I, it's not going to be like, well, that's it. I can't watch another Jim Henson anything ever again because Labyrinth was crap. So like it's, but it is just one of those things where I'm like, oh, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily have yeah. high hopes uh, per se. Okay despite loving the the greater work of uh, a person who I think is uh, pretty genius. And Bridget, Let me we'll ask lo- you. Oh, oh no, sorry. I was going to say, we'll love it to you. What do you, what do you have to say about all of this? Um, well, I guess my, my other question, we know, we know how you feel about Jim Henson and sort of some of like how you feel there. Do you have any strong feelings about David Bowie? Um, I would argue that's like of the two sort of like creative forces that are most evident in this film. Yeah, I um I like Bowie, but not um like I wouldn't consider myself like a super fan. If mm-hmm. if someone was like, "Do you like David Bowie?" I'd be like, "Yeah, but I I like the hits." You know, yeah. I like the he seems like a fun eccentric person, you know, I don't I think the only thing I've seen him in acting wise other than like Zoolander is uh he's he's in a prestige and I feel like that's the right. only thing that I've seen David's right. like an actor in. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know really what to expect from that, but I mean, I know that this is a, you know, a beloved favorite of many people. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I have to assume that this isn't a thing where it's like, this movie is phenomenal. I love it. It's amazing. But man, David Bowie sucks as an actor. <laughs> like I just, so I don't expect, I'm not expecting that uh, at all, but yeah, I don't, I mean, I like, I like the music well enough, but I'm not like a super fan. I don't, you know, I don't own any albums. I be hard pressed to say that I've even listened to one like all the way through. I, you know, it's, you hear it, you pick it up. It's he's obviously permeated all, all manner of things for, for decades. And, you know, sadly is no longer with us, but I, I wouldn't consider myself like a, a big, you know, Bowie fan per se, but I don't have any dislike for the person. And, you know, I like some of the songs. I think they're fun. All right. Johnny, do you have any strong feelings about Henson or Bowie or, about this movie because you had sort of mentioned like your your memories of this film you've know you know you've seen it but they're a bit foggy yeah and i don't know if that's on purpose because I, <laughs> when i because <laughs> when i was when i was younger and i started stumbling into some of these uh movies that i are hard pressed i would say to call even kids movies yeah. just because of how dark they are um, you know, this, you know, the never ending story, like the secret of them, you know, all these movies that came out where it's, it's complete nightmare fuel. Like I, what I recollect from this movie are like humanoid looking rat creatures with wigs and there's a rock star in it and there's a crystal ball and a baby and I don't think the sun comes out at all in this movie. 
Jennifer, Jennifer Connelly's there. Jennifer Connelly's <laughs> in it. Yeah, it's it's a very sort of distant memory that I have of it. I don't really remember the storyline per se. I just I see Jennifer Connelly kind of just completely bewildered the entire time, and that's probably the same face that I had as a child watching it. Um, I I don't I mean as a child I didn't recognize that it was you know David Bowie per se. I mean obviously yeah. now that you see pictures of it, um, and even you know some of our friends have dressed up like them uh, from the. Uh, the movie for Halloween yeah. and stuff. Um, but I am a big David Bowie fan. And right before we uh, got onto air, I was listening to uh, Stardust. So Ziggy Stardust, they spun the whole thing through. So love that album. Um, like a lot of, again, not I don't like deep diving, but I do like a lot of the pop stuff. I like a lot of, um, it's, it's just very good music. So for me, I don't expect any tunes from him per se. <laughs> In this movie, I imagine that it's probably going to bring up a lot of horrible nightmare scenery for me. Excellent. What yeah, there's something. Ab- oh, go on. No, I was going to say, what about you? What are your. Uh... Oh, well, I was just going to say, there's something about like movies made in this era that's like particularly like traumatic in some ways like in the general <laughs> culture like when people talk about dark crystal and the skexies um never-ending story i remember being like petrified hiding behind my couch like right. watching that wolf creature and these sort of these movies that do like as i think about them like they do seem very dark just in terms of like the lack of sunlight um and scary and like the practical effects like I feel like not to get like too like Clint Eastwood and like Gran Torino, but like kids aren't frightened like that anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't think there's that same undercurrent like in like entertainment for kids today, which I think you could make the argument. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad, but it's certainly, I think shaped the character of like, people of our generation in some respects right i think it was a lot of adults coming up with interesting and creative ideas and trying to figure out the biggest outlet and audience for it and a lot of those ideas sort of bled into like our childhood the 80s and 90s you know mm-hmm. even like return to oz like a lot of these movies are like fever dreams yeah. kind of like yeah. when I was like like the princess bride i mean that's yeah. more of like a fever dream a lot of these are more like nightmares <laughs> yeah so a lot of them are like repressed memories that um i'm you know reluctant to visit but i will tonight (laughs) um but uh it's to your point i mean it's everything since then i think they've learned from their mistakes and realized that these aren't particularly made well for children um and that's you do have the sort of like bright and poppy pixar movies with the same sort of clean genuine message that comes through for with every single one of them um but yeah, like these are there's like dark costumes and the characters are dark and there's no bright clothing and it's just it's it has that look of like a Tim Burton movie or something where yeah it's just a really weird age for movies like that like 80s era but yeah, yeah. well I think it comes out of a lot of the the writers of that time probably would have been heavily into psychedelics in the 70s a hundred percent. Um, you know, so they might have been going through their formative years uh, with those kinds of things kicking around and some of the the stuff like that. So I think when they came, it came time for them to write things for kids, they'd be like, what? I, you know, I had trippy things like Yellow Submarine and Puff the Magic Dragon and all these weird trippy things. And, you know, let's go ahead and do it. And I do think that, at least for the stuff that I've seen, 
the practical effects has a lot to do with that where I don't think you get the same level of scary from CGI, even though it looks technically more realistic. I think there's something to be said about, especially with creatures that the, Mm. the, the fact that it's real and tangible in the world gives it a more realistic feel to it, even though CGI is photo real and dragons look the most like uh, what a dragon would look like. It somehow doesn't feel nearly it, as real as. Yeah. yeah. I mean, kids, kids know the difference at this point, you know, like back then for us, it was like, I mean, even like I, I love E.T., but like the first half of that movie is terrifying. So I mean, scary. Well, good, good, we'll good give... sequences are, are, are very terrifying. So yeah. I have fond memories of like, it's almost like it's, it's not like not comforting, but. Maybe because I did watch it with like maybe like my grandmother or like an adult or whatever. I watched it and there was like a comforting aspect of like going through this nightmare and not watching it like alone. Like I don't think I watched like Never Ending Story alone. I didn't watch E.T. alone. I always seem to maybe watch it with someone. But oh, wait, uh, I'm, a, I'm alone tonight. Should I keep the lights on? I'm like scared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keep one burning. Keep, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, but like the Never Ending Story. I mean, there's even I don't know if you guys have ever seen. Uh, Little Nemo, and have you ever seen the the cartoon Little Nemo? Everyone's always saying like, "Oh, you talking about Finding Nemo?" I'm like, "No, Little Nemo." It was kind of like a. Uh, I've heard of it, but I it's can't yeah, it's like an anime. It. Like it was like it was made in like Japan, but then they like they found a big market in uh, in America for the United States, and they dubbed it and they released it. But it was just so terrifying, like the imagery of it, because it's all this slumber slumberland type of shit going on, and then all of a sudden you go to like the nightmare end of this land. Um, I mean, it might be something we have to uh, visit at some point, but that falls exactly in line with like the the fantasy horror childhood genre yeah. of movies um, that, again, they there's no way they would be made today. And if they were, they'd be a, a, a PG-13 or an R rated would be slapped onto it. Yeah, I miss that. I like I, I don't know. I just I I I think what I like is. The idea of, you know, you start to see, particularly, I think, in the 80s, you start to see, you know, films designed with children as a primary audience having these much more, you know, somewhat heavy and scary themes like with like E.T. is like 1982 and like that's a terrifying movie. The Goonies has like. A, a scary edge to it. Yeah. Um, the I mean, movies we've already talked about. Yeah, you, you know? like all the Don Bluth movies were kind of like scary yeah, and stuff, you know. I, yeah. Like all dogs it, go to heaven. I mean, like is mm-hmm. on the surf on so... the surface like pretty fun, but there are sequences where the dog is trying to get out of hell, and like the mm-hmm. devil is chasing him down. It's like this shit kids should not be seeing whatsoever. Yeah, and I like I like that you brought up Don Bluth because that's interesting because he like sort of he leaves Disney as an animator somewhat explicitly to be able to like tell these stories in that way, right. um, and also because the animation studio at the time was in really rough shape, um, you know, and I think you know Jim Henson is sort of in the same position of like at the time he's made this movie he's already made Dark Crystal and he's really trying to like be more experimental and unfortunately this ends up being the last feature length movie that he ends up directing unless you mm-hmm. count the right. the film like that's at disney world i believe 
and I don't think this spoils anything. The movie was not successful. Um, it didn't make back like even half its budget in theaters. Um, no, but I knew it, this was something that was like a cult. Yeah, and a lot of these movies end up doing it. They they found life on VHS and DVD mm-hmm. and sort of trades mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like they that was half the reason they like the, the reviews were mixed and everything. People were kind of like baffled, like what? Like oh I'm like, like the like kids are like crying walking out of the theater watching these movies. Uh, it's almost like I, I I remember the labyrinth, and I and again I'm I'm happy to to watch it tonight. But it's almost like a memory that like I wish would just stay like that <laughs> hazy sort of nightmare that I just because because then all of a sudden I'm seeing it and I realize like how silly and ridiculous it is. And again, I'm I'm excited to see how much of a difference my you know between when I was eight years old and nine years old whenever I saw it and and now. But um, yeah, like the never ending story. Haven't seen it in like 25 years. Might want to just keep it exactly where it is, you know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not in a rush to see Neverending Story again. Oh, I would, I, I like going back to that one. Um, yeah, because there's a lot. Um, I think another thing that, like, I'll just bring up because I didn't see this movie as a kid. Um, I think this movie owes quite a bit to uh, whoever was in charge of like buying and merchandise at hot topic between the years of like 2005 <laughs> and 2010 yeah um huge because i guess yeah so like 2006 would have been the 20th anniversary and so i came to this like as a teenager in high school um you know the fact that i was going to hot topic frequently can probably tell you a lot about what i was like at that time mm. um okay i was there in middle school too bridget all right. <laughs> hey, we, we all are bridget don't yeah. worry we, we, everyone everyone has with... their thing yeah um so i came to it you know as a teenager like really close in age really to like jennifer Connolly's character in the movie and you know i guess like my reaction to it was kind of like in some ways like this is a cult classic but it's sort of like stu- i don't know it's like i still like when i look back on it i still have fond memories but i might be santa clausing myself with this episode <laughs> right and i may come away thinking this is the best movie we've seen yet so i um... know like <laughs> it's a real wild card so i'm excited yeah um so just uh, i know you mentioned before the dark crystal which i have not seen is there some sort of like continuation with the storyline as far as you no. remember bridget okay no it's a it's a totally like separate different animal yeah different animal similar like similar bones um but like similar disgusting creature work <laughs> <laughs> Uh, similar creepy factor but dark crystal is interesting in that like all of the characters are puppets Oh, okay. Instead of there's no like people actors. And in some ways, part of the reason that like you have these human characters in this film is because Henson was like, oh, maybe the reason that Dark Crystal like was also not successful was like we lacked like this human person to kind of go into. Yeah. No one can relate to a six foot rodent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard. It's hard, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that, that's always <laughs> that's always been a staple too of just like you know, the Sesame Street leans heavily on the human people and the kids, and mm-hmm. you know, Muppet movies you know thrive on their celebrity cameos and you know human counterparts to to the Muppets. So uh, I think that was probably one of the things that I didn't like about Dark Crystal was that 
there's no it's so completely new like it's it's completely its own thing where it's hard to like get a foothold on the universe in a sense because there's no like there's nothing that kind of you can pin on to like bring you in to the whole scenario because you know that movie's about like the warring factions and all these things i'm just like i don't I don't know any of this stuff. Like the whole universe just doesn't make sense. Um, I'm sure that like, if you read the comics and there's other medium that uh, expands upon all that kinds of stuff, but just watching it one time through, was just kind of like, eh. Oh yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, sticking human characters in a, in a movie surrounded by Muppets or, um, you know, creature features or whatever that the fact that if this person on screen is seeing it, then it must be like real. You know what I mean? If this person's interacting with this creature, then it's like, okay, it, it gets the pass. Like it's a real tangible character in the movie and not just some sort of, I don't know, like a car, like a tune, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me again, I, it's, it's probably about as much as I know about the movie about going into it. Bridget, is there anything other sort of advisory before um, we go into I this? Sh- I mean, I like, not that I think we should, discuss beforehand necessarily i think we're sort of established primed and ready primed ready cool um adam any last thoughts before we take it away uh no nothing else for me i'm i'm kind of excited to see it it's kind of not (laughs) again like i just i don't i don't have expectations really um i mean i know where it lands for people. Um, and I know that there's probably a huge contingent given it's critical, you know, yeah. rating that it's, it might not be good, but, uh, well, uh, I'm, at the very least, what I'm hoping for is that there's at least a couple of cool creatures, monsters, things where I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, that movie's fine. Like the plots, whatever, but like, man, that one monster, that one thing that was, oh, that was cool. Technically cool or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So like, um, I think even if I don't like the movie per se, I feel like there will be at least some cool Jim Henson elements that I'll be able to fall back on. So that is what I'm kind of like excited for, you know, going into it. So yeah. So we'll see. Awesome, man. Take it away. All right. Fine. I'll watch it. All right, we are back to reality, I hope, for both of us um, and to everyone listening. Um, we just uh, vicariously lived through Jim Henson's bad acid trip of a movie, uh, <laughs> the 1986 Labyrinth with David Bowie. Um, I have a ton of thoughts after not seeing it for uh, two decades plus, but I'm going to point the direction to Adam, and Adam, right off the bat, what are you thinking about this movie? Uh, sadly, we've broken our streak of oh. over-the-top, wonderful, fantastic reactions. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not at the level that I was after Good Morning Vietnam, or that Bridget was uh, last week after seeing Contact. That being said, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't. I like. I want to say it's fine. But I don't even know that it is. It's just like, it's a movie that I watched. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I mean, we'll get into all of the specifics, obviously, as we kind of discuss this, but I don't, I don't know. It doesn't, I'm, I'm not mad at it. Like, I don't hate it. I don't love it. I'm not sure that I like it. It just kind of exists. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's, 
almost by design because I just felt like it felt like it moved really quickly through like the first hour and then it slowed to a crawl for like 15 minutes, which feel, felt like another hour. And then like the ending just kind of is there. Uh, so I don't really know like what's, what's going on. Like I, there wasn't anything. <laughs> I wasn't like engrossed. I wasn't super engaged necessarily, but I, yeah, it's really hard to say. It's a, this is a tough one. Um, All right. Well, I, 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 specific like scale of of good to bad to fine like it's it exists and there's some good things and there's some dumb things and uh, but a lot of them just like i don't really things yeah they're just things like i don't even necessarily have a like i just looked at it and i go okay that's (laughs) okay but like i don't it doesn't make me feel any kind of way okay well, I I think we found a lot of uh, more of our successes in these podcasts by starting from the beginning of the movie and sort of walking through um, each segment. So let's just kind of do it from that way. I will just say right off the bat, I miss that goddamn TriStar horse. Like, oh, crazy. my God. I, I was going to say the, the same, same thing. thing. Like when I first saw it, I'm like, it just felt like someone threw a blanket over me. And it's like, you're going to be OK, <laughs> even though I'm going to be like tripping on mushrooms for the next fucking 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, that I just loved, um, and just obviously right from the get-go, just the music. I, I wrote the music is on point, and then I crossed out on point, and I wrote fire right next to it <laughs> <laughs> with both exclamation points. And also, again, I and there'll be there's a couple times where I'm wrong again, um, but David Bowie does uh, compose or write all the music in this for the most part, outside of the um, musical score, which I loved. Adam, just sort of like right from the beginning, what are you sort of your thoughts as it's sort of opening up with uh, her um, in a dress? And I and, and just I, I almost thought we were watching uh, Princess Bride again for a minute, like a like a beat some B roll for running around in the meadow. But um, what? So just kind of walk us through your beginning thoughts with the movie. Well, I was really confused by the weird CGI bird that yeah. just kept flying around in random haphazard circles. It was a little incessant, yeah. Yeah. Then I laughed really hard. Uh, because the movie started with David Bowie singing, which you had said in the before part was definitely not a thing. <laughs> like I don't, I don't think I'm going to hear any David Bowie songs in this. And then the very first thing is a David Bowie song. <laughs> so I thought that was really funny because that was again like last week where the thing you said wouldn't happen was the exact very first thing that does happen. <laughs> There's so. a couple other things that I wrote down that I'm just like, God, I got to start doing some more like R and D on these movies. Yeah. <laughs> No, but I mean, it's good because, you know, it was a thing that you hadn't seen more than once and probably not since you were a kid. So um, it's almost better that you didn't go in and like do a bunch of deep dive research beforehand and and kind of got to take this journey with me a little bit um, more than maybe you otherwise would have. I mean, the thing that stood out to me right at the beginning, um, because this one I was really paying attention to the credits uh, just because so many of the things in a Jim Henson movie are um, the good actors and puppeteers that you don't ever see. So where in some of these other movies that I've watched that I've never seen before, I kind of tried to stay away from looking at names in the opening credits because I wanted to be surprised when those people turned up. I found myself paying a lot of attention to the credits in this because I knew that like I wasn't going to see uh, Steve Whitmer. I wasn't going to see uh, Kevin Clash. I wasn't going to see Frank Oz. Like they were just going to either have their voices pop up and I might catch them, you know, because they sound similar to characters. I know that they do, uh, but the, 
you know, the beauty part is that you you don't see them, you don't know that they're there because they embody these these characters and these puppets that they do. Um, so that was really cool for me to see, you know, people like that. Uh, you know, like I wrote Kermit, Elmo, like because those those are the names um, that I recognized. So I thought that was cool just because it had that you know, that connection to the the larger Henson, you know, kind of universe, so to speak, in terms of the people that he works with. Uh, and then I was surprised that it was executive produced by George Lucas yep. in conjunction right. with Lucasfilm. So then I saw a lot of those names that I recognized, Kenny Baker, Warwick Davis, you know, people from the Star Wars side of things. I think Red Leader is in this too, um, as a, as a voice. Oh, wow, so really? I believe so. I, it's one of the, like the X-Wing pilots from, from New Hope. I don't remember. I think it's Red Leader, but I'm not sure. Um, so that was cool to see. Um, so that was something like right off the bat that I kind of paid more attention to than I would have otherwise. Um, so that was a nice little connection for me just from like my fandom's point of view. Uh, but I was super surprised when it started because I had assumed much like Dark Crystal that this took place entirely within an epic fantasy land and an epic like fantasy story. I didn't realize this was a human from the real world goes to fantastical like i didn't realize this was hook that this was you know what i mean like that's yeah. regular there's a lot of hook goes, in this yeah goes into fantasy world to save family member who's been taken um so i didn't know that was going to be part of it so i uh, i thought that was a cool little touch at the beginning especially the way they start it where all you see is her from the waist up in a more fantastical dress it's not until she starts running through the rain that you see she's wearing jeans. Yeah, that was a, a nice little touch that I noticed. It's like, okay, that was the indication that we're like not in like a fantasy world that she's wearing like a pair of Levi's running through freaking Illinois, wherever she is. Yeah, yeah, are well, in Kansas still. Kind yeah, of. yeah, exactly. I mean, the dog was kind of the first indication where I was like, okay, that's not a fantasy realm dog, and the clock tower looks very much like local downtown municipal clock tower. Uh, so I don't think, but then as soon as you see her run with jeans, I was like, oh, okay, cool. We're in the, we're in the real world. I, I did not know. I did not know that's yeah. what we were going to do. So that was, that was cool. That was a different, like subverting my limited expectations or, or indications going in um, that changed things up a bit. Uh, and then the, the part where it really kind of kicks off when she's like telling, I thought her retelling of this, like the childhood labyrinth story, which I couldn't tell if she was like, gearing up to perform labyrinth in the school play or whatever. Cause she had a little book and she's reciting these things. So I wasn't sure if that's a story that she just like reads. Cause she has a lot of those books on her shelf. Like she has, I think Alice in Wonderland or, you know, some of those other, you know, fantastical stories. So I'm not, I'm not even aware that like labyrinth was an existing like fairy tale. Is that, is that true? Or is that it's, just like an in world sort of, it's not, it's like an okay. in world sort of like invented for the sake of this story but like when it like kind of pans across you see alice in wonderland you see the wizard of oz like it tries to make you believe much, that it's part of the yeah, same sort of like reality yeah yeah kind of cribbing from these like books that have these like big sort of hero's journey particularly with a young uh female protagonist mm -hmm. um there was some sort of scuttlebutt like uh, with a Maury Sendak book mm -hmm. um, that was, you know, very similar in terms of plot. That I did see like, that in the credits too. It yeah. says like Jim Henson acknowledges the similarities or something with Maury Basically, Sendak. Basically, or... yeah, it was like unintentional, but they got to a point 
that they sort of were like, oh, shit, we we have to acknowledge this. Yeah. We we goofed. Based on the characters of the characters of the... Of yeah. The, yeah exactly. <laughs> it was like the ideas and concepts of Maurice Sendek, like we acknowledge the existence of or the homage to or something like i forget what it's just a please said. don't sue us sort of a credit Kinda, yeah cover our butts kind of thing right towards mm-hmm. the end i noticed i was like oh weird i didn't know this was real i don't hmm, interesting um but i did like that kind of that kind of set you up for what to expect and i really liked her little you know speech to the baby of like okay this is the story this is what happens like this is your as the viewer this is your backstory to what we're about to get into so that way there isn't 50 million and one questions that you have like you at least get that part out of the way uh, right, right. From the get-go. so i thought and, that I, was and cool. I love how they quietly or not quietly, quietly at all it's a wrong word but they introduced the disgusting goblins like right <laughs> off the bat and like this quick mm-hmm. spots and i'm like oh god like that's on it for me i'm starting to like realize that maybe i have not watched i probably watched maybe like 45 minutes of this movie and then probably gave up because of how terrifying it is but like i probably from the get-go just seen those flashes of just like disgusting creatures about very technically well-made characters and we'll get mm-hmm. into that later on um but those quick flashes of her i'm not even sure if that was the right time of her telling the baby the story but i think that's when it was happening yeah you saw these flashes of these uh the the, uh the puppets but um yeah because they were like she's gonna say it she's going to say the words but that that whole sequence where the 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 goblins come and steal the kid was fucking horrifying (laughs) it was so horrifying like even like i'm fucking 34 years old and it was like i had legit like, chills trembling. You saw the, the, the one in the background the cradle like in the shakes doorway. or something oh, yeah. oh no i think it was it was less so when the cradle shakes uh and more once she pulled the the blanket back and there was nothing there and then you start seeing them like dropping from the ceiling and standing in the doorway and you just see these silhouettes all over the room and the little cackling like and like the, the lightning's going off and there's oh, thunder yeah. and the you know the the wind is rattling the shutters and the window is open and everything very much like, like the beginning of hook, um, not to, you know, compare them necessarily throughout this podcast, but I mean, those are things that I noticed that probably were maybe homages. No, right. And, and that was just the thing that I noticed too, was just like the shadowy creatures just popping up out of drawers or flying. Yeah, it yeah. also might remind me of, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen critters before the, the horror movie with the little, no. Bowling ball. Oh, okay. That might be another <laughs> one. Um, <laughs> um, uh, that reminded me of that because they're very, just uh, very, uh, I don't know, um, just quiet about running around, but they're also like in the shadows making noise and shit like mm-hmm. that. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah very, you, very startling imagery. And we're not even like eight minutes into the movie. I will say, though, I think that's probably the only part where I felt like it was super scary everything else just kind of seemed fine that was the only one and i don't know why maybe it was just because of like the first instance of it but that was really the the worst of it for me uh yeah. everything else was kind of just like everything else felt to to tag back to a movie we've talked about before but it all felt very fire swampy after that we're like yeah. okay yeah there are these like monsters and these creatures and things and she is in danger and she is in peril and i mean watching this as an adult i know in the end she's going to get to the castle and she's going to make it through the labyrinth and get her little brother back and everything um so that obviously takes some of it out of it some of the like scariness out of it but i still didn't feel like anything was as like 
almost jump scary. I didn't get any chills the rest of the time, but that very you, first time. Yeah, but I mean, again, I think if you wait. if you take it I, the way that I sort of watch it, I'm sorry, Bridget, but if if yeah. like the way you watch it, like for me, I tried to watch it how I watched it when I was eight years old again, and I must have pinpointed like twenty, uh, two dozen times where I would have been like, nope, 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 <laughs> like I don't want any parts of this. That would have scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. And I would have stopped it and I would have put on like Godzilla or something like I'd be like, I'm completely over with it. Yeah. I mean, as far as just like as an adult, yeah, those first couple of moments are kind of a little startling. But afterwards, it's kind of more trying to align your head with how you would have reacted if you watched this when you were eight years old. Mm. Well, neither of you were. I would say there is one more jarring element that like kind of crops up throughout the film. And that is david bowie's crotch and his pants oh my I don't know god if you guys i didn't know if we were it. ever going to reach that point this is like three three quarters of the way down i don't know why it's that far in my notes but it uh, <laughs> at, 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 finally i was like all right we have to talk about this at some point yeah i think the first <laughs> like, like 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 a third of the way in i'm like okay uh i don't know if this are we gonna bring this up is any of these, these guys gonna notice it and then i'm like almost halfway through the movie i'm like these guys must be noticing what i'm seeing because it's even in like a wide shot, it's noticeable. And then Jim Henson decides to have these like close-ups of like the puppet and have his like crotch like in the foreground, despite being blurred out because of the focus. But like it's still prevalent. Yeah, I think I noticed it right when he gets like right when she's first in the the labyrinth and they're talking to him, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, where she's with Hogwarts and whatever. Um, I think that was the first time like I noticed it and then I noticed it several other times after that uh, because it's bigger than Ludo. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it's yeah, bigger I, than it's bigger than that worm with the scarf. Um Oh yeah, and by like 60,000 times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's but, the color of the pants. Like I I think if they were black pants you wouldn't notice it as much. Yeah. But because yeah, they're beige and like f- almost flesh colored pants. They're very flat. They're like very like flat like almost like a board against his like where his thighs would be and he must be an adequate man because like that's just it just popping popping out but um I will say, since we're on the subject of Bowie, I will say that his entrance coming through the windows was pretty spectacular. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I think that, like I said, that was because that scene gave me chills. I think that was probably my favorite scene of the movie was like his introduction, that initial kidnapping, because she's scared. I'm scared. This man and his giant dick just come flying through the window and like <laughs> with this big, like flowy cape and everything like that. That part was cool. I was it's so hot topic. Oh, yeah, it is. David Bowie's absolutely an aesthetic and for many people a mood. And so uh and I can understand how this could be the catalyst, the catalyst for that. Uh, because it is a very, very specific uh aesthetic. But yeah, that was I think my favorite like collective scene was just yeah. that whole part um in the, the parents' bedroom with the, the first kidnapping. So we so he kidnaps her or she ends up in outside of the labyrinth. Um, and we start seeing some, the classic like map paintings. And, uh, mm-hmm. I will say like, I, I anticipated this being very cheesy looking throughout. And it did. I was pleasantly surprised that it looked as good as it did throughout. Um, just the way it looked. So like going into it, getting into like the actual lab, because I don't even think that was something we even touched on beforehand, that this is actually about like a maze and not just like 
a psychological labyrinth, if you will. Well, to be fair, uh, I didn't I didn't know that going in, so I'm glad that we didn't talk about no, it. Yeah. I, didn't <laughs> I didn't know that the the whole point of the movie was just her journey through a labyrinth. I assumed labyrinth could have been the place or there could have been maybe like the climactic scene and she has to make it through right, a maze right. or something or, you know, the princesses. Because I think the only imagery, especially of Jennifer Con, like I know the Bowie, I knew the Bowie look going in because it's very iconic. That's yeah. the thing on all the T-shirts at Hot Topic. Like that's the... That's the one that people are dressed up. I love as that Hot Topic's gonna be coming up a lot. Oh, of course. <laughs> Again, it's a mood and an aesthetic, and it like I, it makes total sense. Uh, but I so I knew that look, but I feel like the only look of Jennifer Connelly's that I knew was the the dream sequence uh, where she's at the ball in that dress. I feel like that's the only image of her character that I had in my head. So yeah. to that extent. I didn't know, like, that's why I didn't know that she was a person that came from the real world that wore jeans and just a regular, you know, top. So uh, I didn't know that this whole thing was her just going and having to get through this this labyrinth. But uh, I, li- I mean, I liked the journey through the labyrinth enough. Uh, I think there was, a, you know, a couple of things where, like, it didn't really make sense. I like that it took her understanding to change her frame of mind at the beginning. Like, the very first first parts getting into the labyrinth i enjoyed more than some of the other elements of the not every little vignette of different areas was equal like there were some that were definitely better than yeah yeah and i think the stuff at the beginning was better than the stuff in the middle and latter half of the labyrinth chase um part of that i think is because it got bogged down in too many who's going to betray her and how many times are they going to betray her Uh, where I, i i felt like that got a little stale but I definitely yeah. liked the stuff of her figuring it out. I did. I laughed at the little worm. Uh, the worm the, was great. That was the first time I laughed out loud during this all because it was just it looked so good for whatever reason. I don't know why it looked as good as it did. But <laughs> and the fact that he had a scarf just killed me. I don't know why, but kept inviting her in for tea to meet the missus. Like I thought yeah, that yeah. was really funny. Um, so I did. I did enjoy that that little creature. I was uh, hot and cold on Hoggle. Um, Very cold. Yeah, for I, me. cold on what? Would you say on Hoggle, just as the character? Oh yeah, yeah. I, just, I mean, he looked. I guess. I mean, he looked obviously disgusting as as most of the creatures <laughs> in this. Um, but it, it was it was it was done well enough, and they found someone small enough to uh to handle all of that. Um, yeah, like but, I liked uh, his look. It was more his characterization and the constant flip flopping of. Um, yeah, it, listen to Jared. I'm gonna listen to. You know, I'm going to listen to my heart and my friend or I'm going to listen to Jared. There was too much back and forth for me where I'm just like, OK, either betray or don't. Like, can we not talk about it or do it three times or how like I forget how many times he does it. But it's just like, OK. Yeah. As an adult, it feels like a lot of failure. But as a kid, I mean, either you've already shut it off at this point or <laughs> um, you uh, you just don't really understand why it keeps on going. But um just as it just it just is a segue to meet another more disgusting character in this movie. Yeah, I mean we're getting through it. I mean her her I will say the one thing I do remember is when she falls down that well with all the hands and everything. Mm-hmm. And I remember yeah. being terrified of that. I just I loved how those hands though were forming faces. I thought yeah, that well, was yeah. really it's cool. super creative, yeah. Yeah. I really like that element of it because it is, you know, like hand puppets is a thing and you you associate Jim Henson work so much with the felt stuff 
and the right. creatures and things, but the fact that they were able to then go in and be so emotive and so expressive with just, you know, six to eight hands. And granted, the hands are painted up and they've got looks like prosthetics on them and they're, you know, bumpy and scaly right. and, you know, got warts and stuff on it. But the fact that they were able to do what they did in that scene, I thought was was really cool. Um, yeah, that and that was like all like they had like a couple fake hands stuck in like as filler in the background, but they had I was reading 75 people, so like 150 hands total like in the scene like moving her and doing the puppeteering, which is just the like a 16-year-old girl falling down I astounding. St- nice. <laughs> like like just all like the number of people like to make that one mm-hmm. short relatively short bit work yeah i mean there's a number of instances where i just i kind of wrote off some parts where i was like okay but there are other parts where i was like wow that's like really inventive in puppeture uh puppetry um i mean i'm not jumping too far ahead but even like the the ring in the mouth and everything with the doors mm-hmm. and everything i thought that was a very inventive sequence but uh, yeah, the the hands I remember being like I, I saw that and I like my my heart like skipped a beat. I'm like, oh my god, we're back! Like, why why did we go back? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then we we meet a character called Pluto, a a, a big oaf of a guy. Oh. Ludo. Ludo. Oh, is it yeah. Ludo or is it Pluto? No, there's yeah. no P. The only P is what uh, Hoggle was doing earlier when we first meet him, where he's <laughs> pissing into the fountain, which is like, okay, dude, come oh, God. <laughs> I see. I like when he first appeared. Like I had forgotten like how much of my like so much of the cons of this movie come from that character, and I was like, oh fuck. Oh, well, with him what pissing in the uh, in the yeah. bath or whatever. I mean, yeah, it's obviously like, an oh, omen no. for the disgusting bog of eternal stench or whatever the fuck yeah. that thing was later With on. The swamp and we'll bubbles, we'll get to yeah. that disgusting heinous scene later on. But um, <laughs> I, I do want to say though, before we get off uh, any Hoggle talk, the my favorite thing that he did, and again, it was mostly it was mostly down in an up and down character. My favorite thing he did was right at the beginning when he's just going around murdering fairies. Oh, I love <laughs> that too. Little, like... <laughs> this little bug prayer, and he's just counting how many he's just murdered. And of course, she's horrified because most kids, when they hear stories of fairies, it's pixie dust and it's granting wishes and it's giving you flight and it's Peter Pan and stuff like that. And he's just like, nope, they bite. They're all murdering Tinkerbell up and right. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're bugs in this world. Like 59, 60. Straight, straight (laughs) murder. And I I did think that I thought that was pretty funny. (laughs) So it was Uh, redeemed for a second after the pissing. Right. And then it was kind of downhill from there. No, but I enjoyed a lot of like even like when she first initially walks into the labyrinth and she's kind of looking like both left and right. It didn't. It looked like good to me. Like it just mm-hmm. even though it was like matted or whatever. Just it's a lot of like individual um, scenes that look like look good to me. Um, but and yeah, then the even the paintings in this are gorgeous. They're like very gorgeous. The, you know the castle shots from the distance and the just kind of the general world. Like exposition right. shots are really cool, and they they hold up really well. Granted, I was watching a, you know, like a 4K restoration or whatever, but I still. Oh, did you did you did you choose the 4K Amazon rental? I think it was the only option when I did it because like, I rented oh, it. Oh, okay. It was just like rent 4K for four bucks, and I was like, okay, sure. Nice, um, but like I enjoyed the uh, like even some of the more inventive sort of threats where he Bowie kind of like left in this sort of machine with all the razors and everything were coming at him. Uh, yeah. 
Um, it was so it was so threatening, and then by the time they escaped it, you saw like what was behind it, and it was like mm-hmm. three little like creatures on like a tricycle moving the thing, and it was like, yeah. okay, so maybe not as threatening. But... Well, because I I was like I I thought that was pretty threatening because there is like a vehicle in Ninja Turtles, not the movies, but the cartoon, where it's basically just this giant like transport with a huge fucking drill on the end of it that would completely rip you to shreds. And so that thing is coming through. I'm like, all right, this is pretty, you know, they're, they're in real trouble here. This is real danger. And then it was kind of a giggle to just see it being like a bicycle with two little goblins. Right. Right. So I don't know where exactly we are as far as like in the movie, but I know for a fact that probably around this point, we have David Bowie talking about the babe and the throwing around the baby and that whole musical sequence. Oh yeah. I wrote what, dance. What, what dance were your magic thoughts on that? Dance magic is bad. It's a bad song and it's a bad sequence and I did not enjoy it. <laughs> I didn't really like any of the musical numbers. In okay. This. But uh, this that, that does has nothing towards the, the forest red monster sequence which i thought was one of the most horrific things i've seen in a oh long time. Yes. and i'm talking about scary i'm talking about just like quality and like it looked like it was it, it looked like it wasn't even finished it was like oh it, yeah. it looked like it was like a um like a cut scene that wasn't finished and it was like we'll just throw it in like for like the director's cut like they don't care because they love it so much yeah the compositing that in that scene horrifying was, yeah the compositing in that was really bad because it was clear that they were just doing the you know, the they they weren't people in suits the way that, you know, like Hoggle was and some of the other characters were. Um, and so they were doing full leg motion dances and they looked more like marionettes. In yeah, they were what, they were cheating. They were trying to cheating the look for like puppets, like, you know, like try to get rid yeah. of the strings and everything and make it look like. But it just looks so bad. And but it's probably like as far as the most like if we're talking about like bad, like sort of like hallucinatory, like acid trip type of sequences mm-hmm. in this movie. That's up there. Like, that is horrific. Well, yeah, because they're trying to rip her head off. And then, like, even when she's escaping, they're still, like, throwing their heads up in the air and fluttering their ears to stay in flight. Um, But, yeah, no, uh, Dance Magic was bad. It was – that was a rough one. I didn't think it was a good song. The way that some of the characters are just, like, jumping around in the background was really, like, off-putting. I, I did not enjoy that sequence very I mean, much. Th- I mean, the only thing that's impressive about it is that there's so many moving puppets and in, in like mm-hmm. there's almost no sort of uh, indication of where hands are or where strings are or what's moving what. It's it's so bombastic and bedlam. It's like it's like watching like the Wolf of Wall Street with a bunch of people just screaming up and down in the office. It's like what the fuck is going on in Kinda, this? Kind of, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that scene in the forest with the red creatures is particularly uh, scary. I want to talk to you guys about the riddle, uh, with which door and like mm-hmm. the jokers or the jacks or what, like, I thought those oh, puppets okay. were really yeah, cool yeah, yeah. with the upside down. And it was basically like a, a playing card, like a suit. Cause they're holding the shields and stuff in between. And they got the heads on both sides. The riddle doesn't make sense. I, and I had to I rewind it because I wanted to hear it again. I didn't even I didn't even try to like write it down or think about it, but if you guys have any sort of intel on it, I'd love to hear about it. Okay, so the riddle that I'm referring to, in case anybody doesn't know, is uh, the one one of them says, "One of us always tells the truth, and one of us always lies." And then she asked the other one, "Would he say this door is the one to go down?" And the guy goes, "Yes, yes, he would." So she figures out that like, okay, if you're the one that tells the truth then he's the one that lies and that means the door is the other one and if you're the one that lies 
and he's the one that tells the truth. Him, te- him, you saying he would say this door is a lie, and therefore it is the other one. But then she goes down the other one and she falls. So it's not certain. I guess certain death could have been if she goes in the other door, she just like dies immediately. And this one is just okay. She's still alive, but now it's just difficult. But also the other one is the one that says one of us tells the truth and one of us always lies, which means that if he's a liar, then they they both could be liars because not one of them is guaranteed to tell the truth. So I I, I want to know what you guys think about this riddle because it was... I, Adam, I have thought about this in the the close to two decades since I saw this movie for the first time pretty regularly, and it so breaks my brain. It is like in Westworld, like when the robots are like, I don't recognize anything. I don't mm. understand anything. Like, I have no, it. I can't wrap my mind around it. Like, I start to be like, I think, nope, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean for, for, for me, again, like, I just sort of like, I put my, I realized I was watching a kid's movie. So I sort of did the best that I could to sort of put myself in an eight year old mind. And when that sort of came up, I kind of just didn't even like follow it because I don't think an eight year old would follow that riddle really very well. They would just be like, okay, can we like, what's the next cool thing I could see? Yeah, no, I paused it, I rewound it, and I watched it again because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm of two thoughts. And the two thoughts are that she didn't die when she went through the door. So technically, she didn't get certain death. She just fell down into some hands who lowered her gently into the that other little room which technically she probably could have got out of eventually because all she would have had to do is figure out that the door on the ground becomes a door on the wall and maybe she would have got out but it's not certain death whereas if she went through the other door maybe she gets decapitated Raiders of the Lost Ark style like I don't uh I don't know or that they're both liars and the person saying one of us lies and one of us tells the truth was a lie and therefore none of them tell the truth and it was a trap the whole way. And I don't know which one I believe. <laughs> I, I'm going to look for think pieces on this because it was very confusing and it hurt my, it hurt my brain. Adam, I'm <laughs> so like, Adam, I'm, I'm in pain now. Just like, <laughs> and you did a good job of being like, if it's this, then it's this. Yeah. I, I can't. I was proud. I'm sure there's some sort of arithmetic graphic that someone has sort of produced on the whole thing, but I'm going to look for it Uh, because I'm I'm very because I was proud of her in that moment of being like, oh, okay, she's this 15 year old girl who's scared and looking for her brother and wouldn't necessarily have her wits about her, especially as she's learning to like unsee what she's seeing with her eyes uh, earlier and you know to to make it through this incredible maze, and then she's like, I'm doing it, like I'm getting smarter, I'm like. I'm finding my way. I'm, I'm, everything's working out. I was like, good for you. Like, all right, that's awesome. And then she fell and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I was proud of her in that moment. And then it undid it. And I don't, I like, I'm seriously, as soon as we're done with this, I'm going to go look <laughs> to see, cause I need answers. And I'm hoping that the internet in the, you know, 30 plus years since this movie came out, um, uh, has them for me in the almost 35 years. So I'm going to I'm going to look for them because but I wanted to get your guys's take because it did kind of throw me for a loop. So I'm glad I'm not alone in that. No, (laughs) complete. Like it makes my brain feel like a marble just rolling around like in my skull, like kind of like I really I can't. (laughs) You're bringing the the rocks when she's rescuing Ludo just rolling. Yeah. 
complete smooth brain, like no bridges, no nothing. Yeah, I, I just, I, I, it was way over my head. I just, I just played a lot more with one of it. So yeah, no, because I like, I love riddles and I love logic things, and uh, and that one, that one hurt. <laughs> I I was like I don't because I don't like pausing movies and rewinding especially because I want to I don't want to break the flow but I was like no 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 I'm not letting this go <laughs> I need to I need to try and figure this out so um, so yeah I'm definitely gonna look into that but I'm glad like I said I'm glad I'm not uh I'm not alone um, so yeah I mean you I think right after this is when we start to meet some of the other characters we meet Ludo who she saves uh, I did like kind of the zaniness of those little groups as they're you know, they have the weird animals on a stick that are, they're just using to bite him uh, and torture him. I thought that was funny in the way they kind of like slapsticked it up a little bit when they're getting hit with rocks. I, I thought was, rolling around. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool, but uh, I didn't really care for the Ludo character either. Uh, and I think that's probably a lot of why this movie doesn't work so much for me is because none of the her little compatriots are all that great. I guess like the only one that I've got the most enjoyment out of was the weird like uh, was he a fox i don't know the one yeah. that rides the dog. yeah I, I didn't catch his sir name and i was hoping oh, yes, what was sir. his name bridget it's sir didymus and the dog sir is didymus. ambrosius ambrosius yeah. so <laughs> who yeah. i love uh, first of all yeah. i love ambrosius i love that name and that was the only time i rewinded the movie because i i looked away quickly and all of a sudden the dog showed up and i'm like wait a minute is merwin back in with this yeah that was her dog right merwin too. Yeah, it looked like Merlin, but she didn't acknowledge that it looked like Merlin. And she yeah, wasn't so... like, Merlin, you're here. Like, how did you get here? So that part was a little jarring. So I was like, wait, that's the same dog. Granted, yeah. it was a real dog in the real world and a puppet dog in this world. But uh, yeah, I did I mean, like that. I mean, it was definitely a real dog in some sequences, but I almost thought it was going to be a sort of like a Wizard of Oz type of thing where she – yeah, she like it's obviously characters she recognizes or she's familiar with. But like the Tin Man is obviously her friend on the farm or whatever. It was not like her dog, per se, but it is. I, I, I couldn't really make out what that was. That's when I rewind it. I'm like, holy shit, did Merwin show up? Um, And by the way, if we just zip back real quick, the step stepmother's a fucking bitch. She yes! was like, get that dog in the garage. And I was like, didn't even call the dog by his name and then told the dog to get in the garage. That fucking woman can scratch. Like, forget <laughs> that woman. I mean, it was soaking wet. Like, it, they were they were in a <laughs> come on. They were in a hurricane from I... the looks of it. <laughs> but... Do not defend that woman, Adam. Do not defend that woman. Listen, I'm not saying she's a good person. I'm not saying, but I'm not saying that. Like, I feel like there was a better way to say, like, go go take the dog in the garage and like dry him off. We've got to go. But I like I totally get being late for something and then the worst thing shows up at your doorstep. Like a thing you've got to deal with when you're trying to get out the door. Like I can understand her standpoint there, but she just did it in the worst way. She, probably yeah, she, is... she just made it sound like, like her, her, like her overall viewpoint of this dog is like, it doesn't belong in the house. It belongs yeah. like in, in the garage, like not with us at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, but uh, the... I loved, yeah. When, Ambro when Ambrosia showed up, it was fucking great. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought say? of you. Well, I have, I'll, I, when Ambrosius runs across the bridge, I was like, I think Johnny must be like pissing himself, <laughs> like his little body. Like, I, okay, okay. Not only do I love the dog running across, what I more loved was uh, the character riding on top of it. Yes. Well, I'm sorry. What was the name of the, the character again? 
Pseudidimus. Okay. Uh, but he, the fact that like even him was like the way they puppeteered him, because there were points where the dog was walking and he was on top of him, he was still being like puppeteered. I I couldn't figure out how they did it. It must have been some some sort of machinery or something. It wasn't like a a human hand or any any sort of thing like that. But it was this that was one of the most like wizardry type of things that I noticed in the movie, where I couldn't figure out how they were sort of puppeteering his mouth while on a dog, a live dog. I don't know if you guys noticed that at all. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember because, like, I think the parts where like Didymus is like moving and swinging more—that's when Ambrosius goes from like real dog to puppet. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I, it was I it, mean, like. Yeah, it was. It was. Th- th- I mean, yeah, there were parts where obviously the dog was a complete puppet, which I obviously loved, loved a lot. And there's there's a moment later on that we'll talk about that is it probably the funniest moment to me, and maybe probably not to anyone else. But um, <laughs> I, think I know, what, I know uh, what moment you're talking about. Okay, okay, but um, so yeah, so we get we get to the the castle. So they're they're inside oh, the castle. Wait, do we do we want to go back to the the stench oh, yeah, we, bog we, or are we is it just okay okay so well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the bog it. real quick okay the bog is fucking disgusting it's one of the most heinous things i've seen on film in a long time see and it sounds and the, it, i could smell it coming through my tv it was uh, horrible it made me want to like microwave something in my house to get rid of the smell that's i could smell it so i didn't think it was that bad oh it's horrible i hated it honestly it didn't feel that different from like a dagobah to me where like, okay, yeah, it's, you know, I get the sentiment that it's probably smelly and gross, but all it was was just like some bubbles on some water and like everything was just kind of that mucky green gray color. I'm sorry, but I didn't hear the fart sounds and like the shit sounds coming out of the bubbles and everything. It was just. I mean, I did, but that seemed more. <laughs> that seemed more I did, goofy. but. It, it just seemed more goofy than like, because when you, when you hear a fart sound, that's. That's a goofy sound effect that doesn't instill fear. Uh, I know it's not this, really particularly scary. And I usually find that sound like in a Dumb and Dumber movie or something like that. But like, yeah, it, it was just like, oh, like, and they kept doing it. And it was just like, let's get out of here. Let's fucking move. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I didn't. I don't know. I didn't have that that averse reaction to it. It was just kind of like another almost another setting. And I think it's because it, I've seen other things that are like that, you know, like the fire swamp and Dagobah, they're all kind of that generic. Don't be there. It's bad. Don't touch the goop and you'll get sucked down kind of thing. Like I just didn't, they didn't live up to the hype that they had set for it and how scared Hoggle was the whole movie about it. Like, obviously I wouldn't want to be trapped there. I wouldn't want to be the, the prince of the stench of, of, you know, yeah. Yeah. Eternity. Uh, But, in terms of the like the movie part of it, I don't know. I never felt like they were truly in that much danger, except for when the bridge collapsed. Like that was really the only time where I'm like, okay, how's she gonna get out of this one? I know she's going to get out of it, but like, okay, this is legitimately like, how is she gonna get out of it? Yeah. Uh, and I was taken out a little bit in that moment because they're like, don't touch, don't touch the grossness. And then all those rocks came up from the grossness, which means yeah. they have grossness residue, which means her foot has got to smell like ass for eternity now. Mm-hmm. Right. I, know. I I I I, fa- I found the whole thing revolting. So I um, yeah I I probably fall somewhere in between, but there is a shot like 
when they're like clinging up against the the cliff mm-hmm. and like you're looking down you're seeing and you hear the you hear the initial fart and you hear bubbling and you look down and like one of like the bubbles is 100% percent a sphincter and i was just like <laughs> i can't no I, yeah like, that's i i saw that i don't watch this i felt i was partly like jim you're better than this why is this happening it's so More low. It's it's so end. it's so below him. <laughs> I think part of me was kind of hoping that some of those bubbles would then become like faces. Like I felt like there should have oh, been yeah. this like almost like a calling out of like, don't worry, like we're not that bad. Yeah, like, shit. Yeah. yeah, I feel like the, I feel like we needed a muck monster as opposed mm-hmm. to just having the muck be scary. I felt like there. That was a missed opportunity because, like, you could have had, you know, I, I mean, it probably would have been really stupid if you had the fart sounds like in the person talking. But I felt like you needed some kind of muck monster to try and pull them down and not mm-hmm. just the generic, the cliff is giving way underneath us, but we're staggering and we're okay. Or the bridge falls underneath me, but I'm staggering and I'm okay. I, I, I think if you had taken it one step further, all of that stuff would have combined together to be a lot scarier. And you would it would have been another thing to overcome like another like i would have rather have them fighting a muck monster than fighting didymus in their weird battle like you could still do that if it's you a wanted shit to monster. Why, why are we dancing around the word muck it's a shit monster at this I, point because right? it's a kid's movie you know it could be kids listening <laughs> no, yeah. it's not like the, what is it like the jay on silent bob strike back where like the shit monster comes out of the restroom I don't yeah, know, like were... I was almost kind of expecting something <laughs> more like that, and I feel like that would have made it more menacing, a more menacing scenario for them than right. just, oops, I stumbled a bit, and now I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we get out of the uh, the bog, and we're we're into like this weird uh, area between the the bog and the castle, which is kind of like a ton of like shit everywhere. It's like these all these items and. Um, she falls down a hole and oh, yeah, she, yeah. she, she befriends a, a woman who is like a walking hoarders episode. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, we skipped the, she eats the peach and then she goes, oh, into, oh that's right. Okay. So and then she, she, she briefly, it becomes eyes wide shut. Yeah. That, okay, yeah, that, that it becomes eyes wide shut. shut. Yeah. Yeah. Which was a weird sequence I could have done without, um, yeah, because it's David Bowie who's whatever, yeah. and you know Jennifer Connelly who's aged and that, whatever. And... Yeah, and I know we've sort of we've been like joking, like you know the like you know there's some like spooky like just uh, unsettling elements of like the imagery, and like we jokingly talked about like David Bowie's penis, but I think that that sequence in particular is unsettling for that reason because there is that element of like you're being pursued and like ooh, like and yeah, there's, there's people there's in a little bit of her of like, like like luring her to the castle like you want the baby uh, you want the baby yeah. you have to get through me yeah it's that is as an adult the spookiest sequence yeah, well, I, particularly spooky. Yeah, and I think it's made worse by the fact that we know of things like Eyes Wide Shut. We've seen things like you know, like Interview with a Vampire and stuff, where it's these older beings kind of going after these you know younger people or whatever. So, yeah, knowing the existence of other things makes it even worse. Uh, but in terms of just like 
I would have thought that it would have shown her her dreams, not his dream. Because I think in the story at the beginning, she says that the Goblin King loved the woman or the girl. So I never really got that vibe from it throughout the rest of it. It just seemed like he was like, no, I want this kid and just go away now. Uh, Here, take this Fushigi that I keep spinning around in my hand. uh, And... (laughs) Uh, and look, he I'm loves great. those crystal balls, man. I know. Um, he's pretty good at them too, but oh yeah, he's great. <laughs> he's the guy from the infomercial um, that wants to sell them to you. But I didn't really get the vibe of like he loved her the way the story was depicted at the beginning uh, until that moment, and so it kind of came out of nowhere and was also creepy because I think he's probably the age that Jennifer Connelly is now uh, mm-hmm. when she was 16. So that's that's weird and kind of took me out of it for a little bit. I would have preferred a different sequence of maybe, you know, her going to like, she's 15 or 16, like her going to prom or something where it would have been her having, you could still have this like dance sequence of fantastical elements, but it's her with a bunch of high school kids or something. So it's where she wants to be. It's her dreams, which is what she's supposed to see when she takes that ball. Right. That's what he says right at the beginning. Like, Take this, forget about your brother and you can see your dreams and have your dreams. I think you would and- have to sort of like introduce maybe like a character early on before we went to the fantastical world of like maybe like a like a romantic, uh, you know, like, like, a, like a guy or something like that, like a, like a neighbor or whatever. And maybe her yeah. dancing with this guy that maybe she has a crush on or whatever and yeah. not this, uh, you know, 45 year old rock star. I- I think it works, though, in that, you know, he is I think if you sort of want to follow the logic of the movie of, you know, he is essentially trying to sort of make like trick her into being like, my dreams are your dreams. Like, don't you want this? Like, you're here. This is this party you actually want. And then slowly she has this realization of like, oh, no, this is actually bad news. Like, I am unsettled. Like my instincts are going blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. I, there is, there is a catch here that I'm not interested in, which is then made more explicit, like in the final confrontation between her and Jareth. But the fact that the movie up to this point has been a fart swamp and brain breaking (laughs) riddles, like it almost, it is a, a very strange tone shift. Yeah. I mean, he does say in the little speech, like, do this and like, I'll be, I'll essentially be your slave. Yeah. Fear me, love me, obey me, and I will be your slave of like, you just have to give up all of your autonomy and I will just make all of your dreams come true. And like, so much of the movie is like, focusing on like her childhood fixations. Like, we sort of talked about the dog coming back and some of that Wizard of Oz, like, Mm-hmm. it's a tin man but it's also the guy who works on your farm like there's elements in her bedroom that like she's clearly the reason she wants the baby to go away is he steals the teddy bear right she's mm-hmm. kind of caught in this like right not and that's, quite and, and, ready to grow up yeah and not to completely like get to the end of this but like talking about like the whole movie in general like it's it feels like a nightmare. It, it it feels like there's not any sort of like reasoning why sequences are moving the way they are. This mm-hmm. that's just the way they move and the the ebb and flow of your own nightmares, the way they work. Whether yeah. you wake up in the middle of it and you go back to sleep and you're all of a sudden in a fucking shit puddle and then like all of a sudden you're somewhere else and you're dancing with a middle aged man, like it's like it's a it's a weird nightmare situation. Um but uh, again, that's that's kind of how I tried to perceive it. I, I just it just feels like a nightmare through and through. 
that doesn't really have any sort of like real reasoning why it's moving from A to B to C. Um, but uh, I mean, for good chunk chunks of this movie, and especially the part right after, which we were kind of ready to talk about, with the like she gets back to her room and the the woman starts hoarding things for her. There was large parts of this movie where I was wondering if the ending we were going to get to was she wakes up and the kid's there and she questions the whole thing. And was it really a dream or, you know, maybe she wakes up and it's the dad knocking on the door being like, honey, are you okay? Like, we're, we're going to leave now. We're like, we're about to head out. Like almost like it never even. Well, like a, like a Jumanji or something. Uh, Mm -hmm. Kind of like I was kind of half expecting that to be the thing. Like there were, and there were some elements that, that brought me to that, but. Um, in terms of like that that sequence, I, I kind of liked the the hoarding aspect, especially the way I didn't really understand the significance of it in the moment. I just kind of liked the way that she's like, look, this is cool and started piling on and it was mimicking their own like hunched over collective, you know, collection. Right, like the, all these possessions you maybe you're obsessed with in the real world. You know what I mean? That That's kind of how I perceived it. Yeah, but it didn't really track with what. No, of course not. Yeah, I didn't like read that well, but that's again a little bit of a takeaway from it for me at least. Yeah, because I mean the the implication is that everybody is working in the labyrinth to stop her from reaching the castle. Like you get the little critter that's flipping around her lipstick arrows and things earlier on. Obviously, Hoggle goes back and forth. You know, the little card things are clearly designed to get her to go different ways and go like from like stopping from waking up really. Yeah, so I so like obviously everybody's working towards this goal of stopping her, but in that sequence, I just didn't really get the like what is this supposed to be? Because if anything, I would get freaked. It'd be one thing if they were just like, "Here you go, you're in your room now," and like that could have been it. And then maybe they get more menacing when she opens the door and tries to leave. I didn't really understand the like, the imagery of no, here let's pile this stuff on top of you because that would make me freak out more. And I'd be like, no, 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 stop piling stuff on top of me. I gotta go. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so we get we obviously do the whole uh, hoarders uh, sequence of this and then we get to the actual the gates of this. Um, and that's when like this the boss bat I wrote boss battle in like exclamation <laughs> points mm-hmm. at the um, and I thought that was a cool little sequence. Oh, you're talking about like the armor that comes out of the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I really like, like I really like that. I, I really thought that was a cool monster. I kind of wish it. Um, and obviously, I, I I thought that maybe there was going to be like a puppet like inside, like and I totally caught that. But mm-hmm. no, I thought that was really cool. That was my I think that was my favorite creature. Um, other than I did write, oh, I I enjoyed the uh, I don't remember what part it was, but I know it was before this of like the warning signs as they were walking through, um, where they're just like you're going the wrong way, and the guy's like shut up, we're going the right way. They're just going <laughs> to tell you this. There were there were so many times where one of the creatures or puppets just said shut up, shut up, shut mm-hmm. up. Yeah, I liked those. Like, come on, man, I've been waiting so long to say this, and it's like, all right, fine, go. It's like this way spells your doom. <laughs> yeah. so, I like those, and I did love the uh, the talking doorknobs too. I thought that was a fun little sequence in terms of the the walls and things coming alive. Right. But uh, my favorite was the the big giant armor, which I know limitations of puppeteering and everything. I do wish was a little bit more mobile and less just like you one big swing then one Mechanical, big swing. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought that was a really cool looking creature, which I said at the beginning, I was hoping for at least one really cool creature that I enjoyed. And this, this was it for me. This was my favorite yeah. one. But I, I will say when, once they got into the gates and it was like, it was basically Helm's Deep at this point. <laughs> That's I, did, I, I, I wrote Helm's Deep. And then like, like I loved all the creative, like little battle sequences and everything. 
Um, and Bridget, this is where I come back to where my favorite Ambrosius. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, when Ambrosius bails and goes into that hut, and then, but no, this is the best part. He goes Liam. into the hut and closes the door. And that, we'll I laugh out loud door. so hard at that point. <laughs> Yeah, cause I like because it's so good because he gets in and then the door just shuts. This like, shots yeah. like I want no part to this. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I yeah, did, I, I go. I on, like I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, Adam. I'm sorry. I was gonna say I, I did like that battle a little bit. I thought there were some there were fun little moments. Like overall, it was a little too frenetic, but there were some fun moments, like the uh, the fact that like the cannonballs were creatures themselves with like spiky yeah. helmets on. Uh, and if only because it gave me that one moment where I forget how it was stopped, but they like plug up the the one cannon and he shoots it. And then the little cannonball guy is just kind of going, whoa, and the other guy goes, wait a minute, I just fired you. <laughs> yeah, there's like one guy go, like smashing the walls. Like, Did we get him? I, I, I hit something. It's just little legs are wiggling. Oh, yeah, so like, it's wailing. Yeah. Those those things were those things were kind of funny, but overall it was a little chaotic. I I did I was glad that it kind of picked up because that was kind of the parts where I was up until that point it was some of the parts where I was talking about where it kind of slowed to a real crawl for me, which was the hoarding scene, the dancing scene, um, that kind of and that was you know whatever that like hour to hour fifteen hour twenty mark of just where it like just slowed down to like an incredible crawl for me. And then from the battle sequence, it picked up a little bit more. Um, so I was glad once we got a little bit more of the action elements leading into the final, um, obviously, you know, confrontation and, and wrapping up the conclusion of the movie. Um, but I thought that was a cool little sequence. Yeah. So speaking of that, I enjoyed the fact that they revisited, which I, and I noticed it early on when we were in her bedroom that we saw, and I, I might be misspeaking here, but are those the Penrose stairs or what? What's the, the sort stairs? of like lithograms, the, the stairs with all the. Yeah, the MC Escher. Yes, that's what it is. I'm sorry. That's what it is. Um, so I enjoy that they revisited that because I do remember that seeing that as a kid. So I must have gone through it at that as much as that point um, or at least finished it <laughs> because we're already at the end of it pretty much. Um, but uh, I like because even even that part, it could have looked very cheesy and weird, but it looked good in a lot of spots for me, at least. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that was a cool, cool little spot, a cool little sequence. I needed it to go almost a little farther. Like I thought it was a little too long because it didn't really, there wasn't enough moments where like she was upside down and the baby was right side up or they were both upside down and Jareth was right side up. Like there was always, she was always just kind of level and going right side up. Yeah. Yeah. She was always just going up regular stairs. And I think there was only one point where the baby was upside down. I felt like it needed a little bit more of a zany I'm running like, and she wasn't even really running enough. Like you'd think that you'd be trying to run yeah. really fast because the baby is, you know, the baby is there and you're at the final moment and she's just kind of like taking it step by step still, which I get, you know, she's cautious because of all the things she's had to experience thus far. Um, but I kind of wish it was a little bit zanier in terms of um, not necessarily Benny Hill zany where they're like running <laughs> in and out of doors. Uh, but style. Yeah, like I, I not necessarily that level but i would have liked a you know either a shorter sequence that was the same or the length of sequence is the same but the positions that the characters are in are a little bit more wacky and trippy to go in line with kind of the rest of the movie yeah i uh when um 
So just, just going back quickly, when when Toby the baby is first like when they cut to him like in this in the scene with like David Bowie and all the characters like dancing around or whatever, and the, the baby looks so distressed, and I'm like, oh my god, like that's like how like most probably kids feel just like watching this fucking movie. It just there's just so much zaniness. Um, and, and then obviously they, they, they make the, the good move of trying to get the baby to smile and be sort of playful in those moments. But in the very beginning of that sequence, when you first see Toby with David Bowie and his like lair or like the, uh, the King's hall, if you will, um, it, it looks absolutely terrifying for a child. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree, Adam. I think there was maybe a couple uh, instances where they could have done some creative ways of making like him upside down or her upside down or sideways or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> How do we feel about that song? I think we have four David Bowie songs all together. I don't really rem- I don't really remember what if there was really a song. To be quite honest with you, <laughs> I oh, there, has- there is because I wrote down a line like he does every time he sings this line, it makes me laugh. He's like, "Live without the sunlight," and like <laughs> running around. <laughs> yeah, I not a fan of any of the songs. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why. I don't know if it just seems like contrived i i don't know if it's the fact that like i'm looking at david bowie lip syncing to the track like i don't know if it like that didn't line up right for some reason just every time there was a song which can be high points in other jim henson things like some songs in in muppet movies in particular are really good really fun segments and all of these were just kind of like and maybe it's because i didn't grow up with them maybe because i didn't you know i wasn't in, in Ingratiated into them at a time where I was more susceptible. Uh, I I don't know. You I just didn't, didn't hear this song for the first time in a hot topic in 2007. So <laughs> no. yeah, yeah. a corn t-shirt or something. Yeah, yeah. No. So I yeah. I don't know. I wasn't really a fan of any of the uh, the musical numbers. Uh, I mean, they're, they're 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 all made to be at least like like unsettling. I think they're not supposed to be very like uh, I don't know jovial or something like that they're just supposed to be kind of like really bizarre and weird and a part of the nightmarish behavior of the entire movie yeah but i didn't even think like the the melody was catchy like i I could i could understand (laughs) them being like i could understand them being trippy and weird and having lyrics that are either nonsensical or you know over the top to fit the tone of the movie like that part's not the part that bothers me it's just the i don't know it didn't it wasn't like good music and maybe it's because I'm used to more poppy Bowie stuff where like mm-hmm. I was almost expecting that and didn't get it. Uh, so I don't I don't really know why necessarily. I just know that those sequences didn't really work for me. Yeah, I'm curious to know if maybe this movie was, you know, without music beforehand. And then like it was sort of included with David Bowie being in it. And like mm-hmm. they decided that maybe, OK, we have an opportunity to maybe make some sort of singles or EPs or records out of it. And they're like, let's add songs to it and let's make it fit into sort of like the creepy atmosphere of the entire thing. Yeah. The development of this movie is fascinating, Um, which is why I, some, like I did some research like before we watched and it almost because of like everyone who was involved and like the process um, I went in with much higher expectations, and then I was like, "Oh, this is, oh, 
Um, <laughs> but just incredibly ambitious. Like they spent about three years, like just figuring out the story and rewriting it and then figuring out, okay, we want David Bowie to do it. Um, so in addition to having, so you've got Jim Henson, um, you have George Lucas and Lucasfilm. Uh, you also have um, a member of uh, Monty Python is the writer, Terry Jones. Oh, Terry Jones. Screenplay Terry by. Jones. Yeah. So they had Terry Jones, like, basically do a script. Like, we want it to be like this, really out there, but very funny. And then they decided, okay, we want to bring David Bowie on, and it's going to be a little bit more serious, and we're going to have music. So, sorry, Terry, we're going to scale it down a little bit. And they hadn't actually quite gotten David Bowie to agree, so they send David Bowie the script, and he's like, eh, it's just not funny enough. So they have to go back to Terry Jones. They're like, Terry, punch it up again. Like, And so they were going, like, I don't think they had a lot almost finalized until, like, shortly before they went into production but like just so much happening like to make this movie happen and then it ends up opening on the same day as ferris bueller top gun oh really i didn't know that Uh uh-huh and like is like basically gone from theaters a month later yeah i mean it it definitely i can see how i got buried box office wise and uh but um yeah, I mean, it obviously gained some cult legs for sure um, with everything. But yeah, that's an interesting point. Again, I, I was watching it and I was trying to think, how is this movie without music or David Bowie? Like, could, could you stick someone else in there and not have it have the musical numbers in it? Um, it probably would have been a lot more scarier movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, maybe not. Maybe uh, it, with him being with David Bowie being it, it's creepier. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a very like a uh, Rocky Horror Picture vibe to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's funny how music sort of shaped this movie in particular. And uh, yeah, you're there's a lot. A lot of the numbers in this are very like cheesy and like bad. But I I thought like at least from the beginning, like the opening number and like the I thought that was fire. I love the music in the beginning of this movie. <laughs> um, See, I like and, the score more than the. Music. Yeah, I like this. Exactly. I like it. I'm again, I, I'm a sucker for and I can probably speak for a lot of people like the synthy sort of 80s, you know, of yeah. its era uh, music. Um, and that's very uh, prevalent in uh, this movie. But um, yeah, it's David Bowie was an interesting choice to be in this. And uh, it it probably wouldn't have gained the cult legs that it had if it hadn't uh, him be, uh, being cast. Yeah, I think they considered Sting mm-hmm. for it as well. Um, I forget. I had seen a list of like. Wow! So they were they were really movies. pushing for like a musical, like a like a rock star in this. Yeah. Or what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Billy yeah. Joel. I mean, granted, I didn't <laughs> I didn't like the the musical numbers, but I feel like regardless of that. I feel like if those sequences had been just standard dialogue or like if dance magic had instead been him giving his like villain speech to his minions, I would have thought that would have been a cooler sequence. If the juggling head pink things would have just been juggling heads and being weird and been like jester like while not necessarily singing, I thought that would have been creepier and, but also better. 
Um, so I, I definitely think the music got taken down a peg, but your opinion of the songs will drastically change whether or not you think that they should stay or should go. Right, right. So again, I guess we get to, are we getting to her back to her house at this point? I guess. Cause it, there isn't really, he, she's just like, she yeah, remembers like, the speech. It ends weirdly. Yeah. Yeah. She just remembers the speech that she's been practicing the whole movie. Um, so even that was a little anticlimactic because like we saw it in the very beginning and then we kind of see it a little bit when she's back in her room during the hoarding sequence and she grabs the book and then she does the big speech at the end. And I'm just like, you know this, like, come on, like I've seen you practice it. I know it by now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then, yeah. And then she just wakes up in her room. So I thought that the ending kind of was a little abrupt. And then I liked the you know, saying goodbye to her friends in the mirror. I like the goodbyes. Really I thought that was very kind of like heartfelt. It was, it was earned in some way or another that they would like all the, at least the main uh, one, two, three, four characters were, uh, were earned sort of coming back. And then obviously we have the, the, the fiesta that happens in her fucking bedroom <laughs> after that. That was the part I didn't like. Um, <laughs> I felt like the three in the mirror of, we'll always be there for you whenever you need us. Just ask. And she's like, okay, good. I know I've always got those friends from this magical realm. And then she turns around and there's 45 people in the room with her. <laughs> I'm like, these are not all your friends. Most of these people were your enemies 10 minutes ago. Like if you want to have the little dance party with Hoggle and Luda and, you know, Didymus and, and everybody else, like those <laughs> four core characters that were your traveling companions for this movie great do that little dance do the confetti do whatever you need to do i just felt like there was way too many people and that kind of made it feel like a cheesy a cheesy ending as opposed yeah. to just like the nice know. moment right before it right i mean at that point for me i mean i was again if if you're on a certain wavelength I, for me i thought that was just like a fine ending just to bring everything back together again i mean even the the one guy who was like uh yeah, who wants to play Scrabble? <laughs> just, yeah. I like that line. I thought that was fun, <laughs> but that could have just been delivered by Didymus of you know when the four of them are laughing and joking or dancing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. or like the worm could have been there. Like some of the people that were helpful to her could have been yeah. there. Oh yeah, the worm many... should totally come back. That's a great point. Uh, but there was too many people in that room, and most of them weren't her friends. And there was, it's not like other movies where it's clear that she's vanquished the evil king and now the land is free from his tyranny, which if that had been the ending would have made sense that all of those critters would be there because now they're free to live their lives and she's their savior. But she didn't, it didn't seem to do that. He, it just seemed like he was like, all right, fine. Like I'll go to steal a different baby from a different person. Yeah. I guess a- I'll look in your window. Yeah. From now on. So now all the critters live in Illinois and they just are paying property tax. And all those <laughs> shit, so, um, but uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, and then it kind of just uh, kind of just ends right yeah. there. Yeah, I'll uh, be honest, I was like just ready for the movie to end at a certain yeah. point. Yeah, I was just kind of like, all right. Yeah, I mean, Adam has a lot, a lot of a lot of valid points as far as the fact that there are stretches and sequences where it's it's a lot of fake. I'll help you. I'll help you. I'll help you not. I'll help you, and it's just it's. It, it's a plot device that they use a lot in this, which I'm not a big fan of. Um, but again, for me, it's I, I treated this movie the way I'd, I anticipated in treating this was it just sort of like just a sort of uh, a waking dream or nightmare that I once had a long time ago and I'm now revisiting and I'm not giving it too much credence for a 
plot movement or any sort of sense of sensibility as far as what makes sense and what doesn't and as far as maybe even the riddle or what have you um fucking riddle. The, the riddle. Fucking riddle yeah the fucking riddle um but uh yeah you have to go like beautiful mind with a uh with a marker on the window, trying to figure out that one. If you oh, do you guys to. not see the Pythagorean theorem and everything circling around my? Oh head? yeah, exactly. Yeah. You guys don't see that? Okay, weird. I I, I could see it in my webcam view, oh, but I thought okay. you guys could see God, it too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, on the one hand, I I wanted to try to watch this with a childlike wonderment, uh, but at the same time, like I I just couldn't. I was trying to think of it like, would I have enjoyed this if I was like 10, 12 years old? Probably. Like if I had seen this right around the like you know my real introduction not introduction but like my real deep dive into like Jim Henson and stuff like that maybe I would have um, I never really watched a ton of stuff that like scared me as a kid I don't know if it's because I avoided the scary stuff or if it's just I wasn't super put off by things like I again I didn't see this I didn't see Dark Crystal at the time so I didn't go into that you know, scarier side of the the Jim Henson universe. So I don't, I don't know if I would have, like, it's hard to say if I would have liked it or if I would have been too scared or if I would have just been confused by this, but as is, it's just, I don't think it equals, uh, like I've talked about a lot of good things that I did like throughout this. Um, and so part of me thinks that maybe I liked more than I did. Um, but in, in the immediate aftermath, I was just glad it was over and not really in a rush to go back to it, despite there being elements that I did enjoy. Like I were, there were times I chuckled and times I was excited by what was going on. And, you know, certain characters, like I said, were better than others, but that, that kind of middle third just really drags it down for me to where it's not, it's not anything necessarily special. And a lot of that I feel like is because I'm watching it as a 34 year old and not as a, you know, 14 year old or a, you know, 12 year old or whatever. Do you, so, uh, I mean, do you understand at, at least the, the cult status of this, why it is a cult movie? Do you understand why that maybe that it is what it is? Kind of, um, mostly just because like, if I was, if I was someone who was super into the fantasy genre, I feel like I would love this a lot more because it'd be, you know, it'd be these creatures and it'd be this world and it would be this familiar fantasy type story that would be easy and accessible. And I think if I had seen it as a kid or as a, you know, a teen or tween, then I think it would have been um, probably something that might've stuck with me a little bit more if I had, you know, uh, I feel like if I was probably honestly like Bridget, like I can understand your, you know, going back to it several times because the, the main character is someone you could have identified with as a person who liked Mm -hmm. reading and, you know, things like that where she seemed more kind of like Yeah. Sarah would have been you. a hot topic. Yeah, for sure. With me. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um I mean she might have been the manager by the time you were going. Probably, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um but yeah, so I, I just think I, I it's not bad. I, I don't rem- I honestly can't remember what I said at the beginning of this now. Um I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's good. I just think it exists. Um, but I don't begrudge anybody for liking it. Uh, but I won't, I won't go to bat for it in any kind of discussion of like, if someone's saying to another person, like, Oh my God, you need to see this. It's the like, Oh my God, I can't believe you've never seen it. I'll be like, Hey, it's, you, you might've missed the boat. Honestly. Yeah. I having now made that mistake. Um, I would now seeing it like for the first time in a while, I'm like, 
Wow. Like, not to continue to belabor the hot topic point, but just, <laughs> like, you know, catching sort of the wave of, like, people who are who are really, like, older than even we are, like, being nostalgic for this movie and then, like, being introduced to it that way. I Like, I just... It's fine. Yeah, I... I'm having, I am getting Santa Claus a little bit. I think I'd be more interested in this movie to show it to my own children when the time comes that I feel they're old enough to handle it. Um, hypothetical children, obviously. Yeah, but, I mean... Like, just to see through their eyes what I missed out on. Um, but I like if they were just like, I'd turn this off, I don't like it. I'd be like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly probably, out of the three of us, I probably enjoy this more than the two of you. Um, I... It um for me again it falls into sort of the return to Oz, the finding uh what not finding Nemo <laughs> not finding Nemo, um Little Nemo and um the Never Ending Story where it's it it's almost like a movie that doesn't exist like it just it's just, again it's a it's a fever dream type of movie, I have fond memories of seeing sort of elements of this. Um, and seeing it again uh, is awakening all of those repressed memories again. <laughs> um, but um, I'm glad to have seen it again. And yeah, I, I don't think I would outwardly recommend this movie to anyone. I would only just say that, you know, if you haven't seen it, um, but I would give them the discretion that, you know, it's not something that you are going to probably ever watch again. But that just for the sake of conversation that if ever comes up that you would say that you have seen this uh ridiculous uh jim henson uh like i said at the beginning at the top of this uh acid trip of a movie yeah i mean in the end it's just kind of put a bow on it for me i love the jim henson aspects of it i think all the creatures are cool I, the puppeteering is you know some of the best stuff that they've ever done some of the you know outside of that the the weird headless people dance thing everything in this is <laughs> Everything in this is super cool um, from a like a technical puppeteering standpoint. Uh, and that's really kind of all I was hoping to get out of this is just seeing cool Jim Henson style puppets in a in something I've never seen before. So and, you know, in that regard, like I'm glad that I watched it and, I, you know, it's just basically puts the bow on things that are that Jim Henson has done that I just haven't seen. So it's it's good to get more of a completionist uh viewing in that in that regard you mean the david bowie on what you're talking about right the what the oh. david bowie <laughs> <laughs> okay maybe we should end this right now um <laughs> um all right um bridget any uh any final thoughts before we uh send it off to adam um no um <laughs> i would watch a whole movie of ambrosius I'd, oh um, my god, that would be killer. I uh, that's you know more ambrosious. Uh Adam, I'm glad we've we've you know added to your your Jim Henson journey. Yeah, that's, I I, I would thoughts. love to I would love to if we can continue this sort of cult nightmarish child genre if we will and look at other movies that we have not seen. Again, I think we mentioned a couple that maybe you haven't seen. Um, but if we can look at 
that genre with a little bit more of a uh, magnifying glass and see exactly what we haven't seen um, and revisit that genre. Cause I think it's a very fascinating genre. Cause it's just, it's, it's, it's a dead genre. I think mm-hmm. if we can agree on that. Um, and uh, it has a lot to say about how sort of child entertainment moved forward from there. Mm-hmm. So I'd be, I'd be very happy to uh, be on a, uh, the show again about seeing something like that. So. Yeah, I'm sure we can find something like that. Um, but yeah, like, you know, like they always say, they don't make them like that anymore. So they don't, they, they don't make them like they, they used to. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, Adam, why don't you just uh, take it away with the uh, with the plugs, if you will? Uh, cool. Yeah. So uh, that'll do it then for this week's episode of Fine. I'll watch it. Remember that you can find every episode of Fine. I'll watch it every Thursday morning at 9 a.m on google Podcasts, apple Podcasts. i keep saying itunes but i gotta remember they don't say itunes anymore uh, <laughs> google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, uh stitcher spotify uh, amazon all those places that you get podcasts uh, you can find the show and me on facebook and twitter at broken clock pods uh, so let us know what you think of the movie labyrinth what is your favorite either jim henson movie muppet movie non-muppet jim henson movie do you like dark crystal better uh, what do you think about david bowie as an actor as a what, do you like the songs in this movie let us know what your thoughts are on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. Uh, but once again, for fine, I'll watch it. My name is Adam. I'm Bridget. I'm an alligator. <laughs> okay, You're that fine. was a David Bowie reference. Okay, guys, <laughs> take it easy. Bye. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. 